Let us pray. Last week, we discovered that one of the marks of the church is that we are people that pray. The world looks at us and they think we are weird and strange because why would you talk to someone that you can't see? But we know that you are with us in this place because you are God and you are everywhere. You are God that promised us to be with us. You are a God that promised to listen to us and to treat us with utmost respect. And that's amazing that you do this. A God that cares for us. So we come to you now, O Lord, and we say that we we came to this place to worship you. We came to this place for your glory and your name, for you to be recognized as someone that's part of our life. We came to this place, Lord, not only to sing songs and to listen to a sermon, but we came here that the world may know that we are owned by God and belong to God. So will you please, as we sit here today, as your family or online watching this sermon, Lord, will you please then touch us through your Spirit, strengthen us through the words I need to share today, that as we leave this place, we can even more proclaim to this world who we are, that we are people of faith. Bless us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So my brother-in-law that lives in the northern part of South Africa, he grew up sort of in the bushveld. That's on my sister's side. So he knows all the trees there in the bushveld. He knows them well. You point a tree, he tells you what kind of tree it is. And then when he sees this, he can tell you exactly what it is. He once sent me a picture and said, yeah, we had one of those close to our camp. And he can tell you if you see this footprint or paw print, that's a full-grown male lion. And he can tell you the thing was in this area This morning or yesterday. He can actually tell you how old the track is. And it's quite important for those guys because, you know, if you don't take care, you may run away and you may end up without some of your clothing, you know. So that's, you know, it reminds me of the story of a local hunter. Uh, 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 He was a guide here in America and he got completely lost. And his party said to him, you told us you are the best guide here in Colorado. And he said, yeah, I am, but I think we are now in Wyoming. <laughs> last week, if you missed last week, um, I invite you to go and watch last week's sermon or just listen to it. Because it's the introduction to this series. A lion has a footprint. Every animal has a footprint, and if you know it well, you can, by looking at the footprint, tell what it is that came by. In a sense, the church needs to have a footprint in this world. And if you look at the footprint of the church, you must know that is the church that's now with us. And who's the church? (laughs) You and me. So what is my footprint in this world as I interact with people? Do they recognize that after I've left that somebody that is part of the church was in my presence. That's not always that easy in the time that we live now. And that's why I've got the slide up and say the church is somewhat in identity crisis because the world is trying to put boots on us that we don't have a footprint anymore. Because the world wants me and you to look different and act different and not be who we are. So in this series of mine, we are going to discover the seven marks then of the church. 
It's from Colossians chapter 1. We are people that pray, people of faith, love, hope, true message of the gospel, bearing fruit, and then God's grace. And we won't get through this today, I promise you. We're only going to do number two. I thought it's going to be like a three-week series, but I will go a little bit into February with this whole thing. So I'm just going to read this again. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Now, last week I spoke about the prayer part, and you can see now in the second, third sentence that Paul writes about the faith. We heard about your faith in Jesus Christ, and then later on he talks again about the faith, but, and in this whole letter he talks a lot about the faith of these people. Now, if we say that we are people of faith, and people ask you, so what faith is, you can always give them the biblical definition. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was made out of what was visible. Not what was not made out of what was visible. Hebrews. I'm not going to preach about this. You can go and read this, this thing, uh, uh, this definition in Hebrew chapter 11. What I want to talk to you about today is this. Last week when you guys left the church and, and, and online, I said, I, I would like, and this is your homework, to think a little bit, what would your answer be if anybody comes to you and personally asks you, what does it mean for you to believe? What would your answer be? And maybe think about it just for a moment. A while ago, I was sitting with a young woman in my office who was pregnant. She came to see me for some specific reason, and we talked about this. And at some point, she said to me, life is very hard, isn't it? And I said to her, yeah, it is hard. It's difficult. And she's anxious, and she had all kinds of questions and concerns about life. And at some point, she looked at me. She said to me, how long have you been a pastor? I said, almost 40 years. She said to me, how did you make it? How did you make it through life? What helped you that you can sort of after so many years, still stand strong. She's way young and I'm way old already. I looked her in the eye and I said to her, I'm a person of faith. I said, you came to see me in the office and I see a lot of people who are not part of our church and they come for counseling and they are not always believers. I looked her in the eye and I said, remember now, if you come to see me, you are talking to someone that believes in God with all my heart. I said, God is as real to me as you sitting in front of me. I said, that is, I think, one of the most important things that you need to know. I said, but let me tell you what it means to me to tell you that God is as real to me as you sitting in front of me. It means that I know I'm not alone. I know I have a purpose. I know I have a destiny. I have a God and that Jesus is the answer. That's what I know. Because we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ, Paul says. Let's start with number one. And I had to do this with her a little bit. So let me tell you what it means if I say that because I believe in God, I know I'm not alone. Loneliness is the biggest problem for people in this world. And, and I've said this before. You know that even in England, they have a, a minister of loneliness for the people. 
And that's what I hear in my work, and that's what you guys know, that a lot of people struggle with loneliness. And this pandemic made it even worse because you can't connect with people, you can't see people, it's very difficult. The problem with loneliness is not only the fact that you are not always with people. Loneliness is the problem that when you are with people, you still feel lonely. You see, the problem is you can be surrounded by people, you can be part of a family, you can be married with children, and you eventually, at the end of the day, when you lie in bed, say to yourself, I'm so lonely I can die. And the reason is that you feel that people don't see you. People don't listen to you. They don't hear you. I went to the CDC data last week. 100,306 people died between April of 2020 and April of 2021 of overdose deaths. Suicides, 47,511 people died of suicide. A little bit less than the previous, previous time. That's down a little bit. The overdose deaths are up by 28%. So if you go and do research about why is it that people kill themselves by overdosing, it's not only that they want painkillers, it is because they are trying to escape life. That's what the results in the research shows. The problem is with loneliness is not only being alone from people, not being in the middle with a group of people and feel that they can't hear or see you, but to deal with this life and you end up understanding you're alone. That's what I discovered when this woman sat in front of me. She said to me, I'm so alone. And there's a family that surrounds her. She said to me, I do not know how to deal with this world because I don't think there's really anyone that can help me. The problem is with this loneliness I'm talking about now is that the moment when you start to reach out to people to see if they can help you, they discover they know as little as you do. They know about life as much as you do. And I said to her, thank you for coming to me, but actually I do not know that much more. I've got some intellectual knowledge. I've got some academic books behind me that helps me to give you some tools. But at the end of the day, I am as human as you are. That's why both of us need a different answer what life is concerned. So what was my answer about loneliness? My answer was, I believe that there's a God that called this world into being. I believe that there's a God that created the heaven and the earth. As the definition in Hebrews chapter 11 says, I believe there's a God that created this planet and made it so beautiful for us as humans to be able to survive on this thing. Why go to Mars? There's nothing. It's just red. You can go to a desert. Why go to Mars? You know, I, I, in the mornings when I go for my run or walk, I look at the blueness of the sky. Isn't it fantastic to have this blue sky above us and there's the oxygen and clouds and stuff and talk to or listen to all the people that have been in space. They say, you look at our planet and there's this, this small sliver of blue around our planet, the blue planet we call it. I believe God called this planet into being with everything that is needed to sustain life because it comes from God. But I also believe that God called me into being. Into being. Not only this planet, but God meant for us and for you and me to be. Why would God meant for me to be and then abandon me? Why would He let me go? And that's why I'm going to read what David says in Psalm, chapter, Psalm 8. 
18, sorry. He says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Oh, man, fantastic words this. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so I shall be saved from my enemies. That's a guy that's not alone. Can't be. In my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God. I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. For who is God except the Lord and who is a rock? Besides our God. How can you feel lonely if you have this God in your life? The second part of being a person of faith, I believe that I have a purpose. We all know the circle of life very well, and you can see this on the slide. We are born, and, and then we go through all the cycle of life. You know, <laughs> they asked this eight-year-old child one day, he said, what do you want to be one day? He said, an adult. <laughs> That's what I want to be. <laughs> So I got to do my own thing and people will leave me alone. I can eat ice cream before I eat my dinner. We all know the circle of life so well. It's, you know you are born and then you, 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 you go to middle school. You can't wait to get out of middle or elementary school to get into middle school. And then you hate middle school. I can't wait to get into high school. And then you're in high school and you can't wait to get into college because party! That's the thing that I think happens there. Just sad you need to study, isn't it? And then you start, and you need to date now because, you know, time is running out. You need to find someone to marry, and eventually you get married, and then hopefully if the Lord provides, you get children. You find a job, and then you go through this mundane, almost cycle of getting up, going to work, maintaining your life, and the things around it, and life can be challenging or less, but it's, it's okay. Some people have a smaller circle. Some have a larger circle as they go through the circle of life. And that's irrelevant, how big your circle is. The, the, the problem is with this, with this thing that I have up there is, if you understand that I'm living in this world and that what I'm doing needs to be recognized by this world, then I'm only living for this world. So I'm working really hard and I want the world to give me a lot of money because I'm working hard. And that's okay, that's what you deserve if you work really hard. But everything I do needs to be recognized by the peers that I am serving. The people that are like I am. And I'm trying to be a little bit ahead of them, and I'm trying to do deals and stuff that I can be okay in this world that I live. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is at some point, every single human that I have met in my life that are honest will say to me, is this it? I, I didn't plan on saying, telling you this story, but my dad started in the gold mine industry in South Africa. And he started at the mo one of the most lowest levels that you can imagine. He worked underground as a sampler, where they had to go into the tunnels and they had to find out where the gold reefs are and take a sample and bring it out. That was his job. Many years later, my dad then studied and he became a surveyor. And many years later, he ended up as the group surveyor of gold fields of South Africa. He sat in this wood-paneled office in the middle of Johannesburg on the seventh floor of this building. He worked himself from there all the way to there. 
I walked in his office one day, he said to me, was it worth it? I said, Dad, what are you talking about? He said, is that what life was all about? I almost never saw you guys because I had worked so hard. And now I sit here and I'm just wondering, was it all worth it? Is this my, was this now my purpose? Now my bad dad was by the grace of our Lord a believer. He believed in the Lord. And I said to him, but I believe God had a different purpose for you than only the work that you did in this mining industry that you worked for. That's where I want to get to. You see, our purpose cannot, cannot only be to do the work of this world. Our purpose needs to be something else. And I've said this time and time again. Our purpose as believers is to know God and to serve God. That's why God created us. God created us to be in a, in a relationship with Him by us seeking Him. It's not that He's missing, but we have turned away from Him. And God says, I'm here, but I walked away, so I need to get back to Him. Not Him getting back to me. He's here. By communicating with Him, by talking to Him, because God says, I would like to chat with you. I would like to talk to you. I would like to have this close relationship with you. To spend time and effort with God. And to serve His kingdom. You see, in this circle of life where you get up and you go around all your business, if you add God to it, suddenly it makes way more sense. Suddenly when I wake up in the morning, I talk to God and say, I need to go through this day and I have no clue if it's going to be good or bad, but please be with me in this day. And God says, thank you for asking. I want to be there. Just allow me to be part of this. And as I go through my day, I say, Lord, I, I'm here. I need you. I do not know what to do now. And the Lord says, thank you for asking because that's what I want you to do. But the second thing, as I get up in the morning, I say to the Lord, so what are we going to do today? You see, it's not only about my work and, and, and my life and mowing the lawn and doing the stuff that we need to do. It's about, hey, Lord, so what are we going to do today? I'm excited to think there's something you're going to do today with me, even though I can't see it. Because many times you don't see how God is using you. But just knowing that my life has a way bigger purpose than only serving my family and this world, but actually serving the kingdom of God makes that life becomes meaningful. You have a destiny. So, somebody called me a week ago and said, will you do the funeral of this person? I said, okay. Since me, I do not know a pastor or a church. They were looking for a guy that will bury the dad. I said, I'll do it. Because it's a great opportunity to share the gospel. That's why we'll never say no. The grave is there, the gospel is here. So I looked them in the eye and I said to them, you know, we are all on a journey. Your journey starts when you are born and your journey, most people think, ends when you die. I said, but you know what the Bible does? The Bible tells us that's not true. The Bible tells us that the journey that we are on actually starts when you are born, but continues, really starts up after your death. If something happens in this journey, will you get to meet the only holy living God of life that wants to give us life? The people standing there at that gravesite, I think they were somewhat filled with fear, not because of me, but because of the death that they were facing. You see, people don't like to be at a funeral. They don't like to talk about death. You know, if you want to be a party, uh, 
break a, you know, when people are all they say, let's talk about our death. People will run. They don't want to talk about it. So people are ignoring the facts of death. Christians, as a believer, I have zero fear of death whatsoever. How many times I've said, Lord Jesus, come and take me because I've got a destiny. We are people with a destiny. I know this life that I'm now living is part of the warm-up lap of my life that will start after my death. Of course we are concerned about dying. Steve Prather, he always sat there. He's got liver cancer. I'm going to see him after church, after my meeting after church. He's got maybe a month or two left. And a while ago, I was in my office and, and we spoke about his death. I said, Steve, are you afraid to die? I said, yeah. I said, I'm also a little bit because it's uncertain. He says, but I'm looking forward. I said, me also. Me also. To see the face of God, the one that I always wanted to see, unveiled in His presence. How can you not live with a smile if you know you've got a destiny? I'm done. I'll do this in two minutes. We have a God. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, reap, or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? The marks of the church, the marks of the people that believe in the only holy living God is knowing I've got a God that will take care of me. A God that owns me. A God that takes care of these little birds that are flying outside. And, 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 you know, there are two times in the year that they all gather here on this corner. I do not know. These blackbirds. Hundreds of them would sit on these power lines and they would have a chat and then it would disappear for a month. And they come back and they all sit there. I don't know why they come to our church, but they're, they're outside. And when I see them, I always remind myself, God takes care of these things. They know where they're going. They know when, when to come back. And for some reason, they know to meet here. Why will God not take care of you and me? We struggle. Things go wrong. Absolutely. Things go wrong. Many things doesn't work out the way we want to, but God says, Ferdy, I've got it, man. I'm your God. And then finally, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves, bandits. Sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. What makes my life and your life meaningful is that cross. The fact that God gave us a door, but a door that's not square, garnished a door in the shape of a cross that we can get back. Back where God, the way God always wanted us to be in His presence, back in the garden, back with Him. It's like a child that wandered off and the parents are waiting for the child to come back, but the child needs to walk through a door to come back and that's the door. That's the door. And that's all God. That's all God. I know who I am. You see, and suddenly it doesn't make a difference where you live, what you have. It doesn't really make any difference about your life anymore. Because it's okay if you've got a great life or a smaller life or your circle is bigger or smaller. That's okay. That's irrelevant. But you need to know one thing. 
I know I am. I'm a believer, a child of God, and therefore I can walk and work in this world with a smile and unafraid tell the people I'm a child of God because I've got someone that's with me and that's what, that's what makes me different and that's my footprint. That's your footprint in this world. Next week, about love, and I will talk about this next week. So next week, that will be the second one.